0: Uh, there you go. This is a little bit different than what we're used to. I was sitting back there like it's time for me to go up already. Um, forgive me if my voice may go out or I may not move as much as I usually do. This was my first week back in PE, and I didn't realize how much exercise I actually got in there. My stepo- stepometer or whatever I got on my phone, it like doubled the amount of miles that I walked when I was in a classroom. So for those of you that say my job's easy, hmm, yeah. See, you walk five miles a day in class, all right? (laughs) No, it's a blessing to be back. But today, um, like I said, we're talking about the heart of worship. And and kind of when I was going through this, it was kind of uh, the next continuing thing from what we uh, studied in Colossians 3, how we were going through in Colossians. In Colossians 3, uh, 16b, it's kind of the last part of Colossians 3. So if you want to turn there with me, Colossians 3. Colossians 3, and we're going to be reading verse 16, the last little section there on verse 16. I'll just go ahead and read the whole verse. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. See, the thing I love about this is it it's not only that last part that talks about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, but they kind of wrap worship up in one verse there because 16, we'll talk about this later. It says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." And that's a form of worship that we're going to talk about too. So when I read this verse, I thought, "Worship. Let's talk about worship." You know, in every church service that you go to, it, it, it's always different. Every church service you go to is going to be different. May have the same uh, kind of same schedule, or maybe they have singing in and in a verse in and a sermon and different things like that. But they all do it different. But at the same time, as different as church services are from church to church, there is always one constant. And that is they always do some form of worship they always do some form of worship. If you look in your bulletins, if you look at the, the the kind of the schedule or our uh itinerary for each Sunday, notice that we worship in so many different ways and we put that in there. You know, it's not just giving an offering. It's not just singing songs. It's not just giving a sermon, but all of them have some form of worship in there. We worship in prayer during our service. We worship in giving. We worship in singing. We worship in hearing. We worship even in our fellowship with one another during our greeting of friends. I don't know if you really thought of it that way before, but all of those are different aspects of worship. And it's no secret that a church service should have worship within it. Because see, worship is something that believers just do. It's something that believers just do. See, worship is something that is evident in every aspect of our lives as believers. Or is it? Or is it? See, today, we're going to look at what is worship. How do we worship and why do we worship? And see, we're going to have a good uh, time to kind of sit back and examine our lives a little bit and see how are we worshiping in our lives. Are we doing a good job of it? Are we not doing a good job of it? Are we doing it at all? So this could be a very step-on-your-toes type of sermon, because when I was going through that this week, I was convicted, not by just the lack of amount of worship that I do during my day, but the heart behind my worship, and that's what we're going to be getting at today. The title of this sermon is The Heart of Worship. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, we just we we just thank you. We thank you so much for um, this 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 concept of worship that you allow us to participate in. Lord, I pray that as we go through the scriptures today, that Lord, we are beyond blessed by what you have for us in the scriptures based on worship. And Lord, I pray that as we read these verses and we and we dive into what is worship, Lord, I pray that we can understand how to worship. Lord, we understand what worship exactly is, and Lord, we understand the reason behind why we worship. Lord, right now I just pray that you fill me with your Spirit, Father God, to deliver a message from you this morning that it may pierce the hearts of those who hear. Lord, we thank you and we love you, and you have a name. We pray, Amen. So, on your bullet, on your sermon notes, the first point that we're going to talk about today is what is worship? Well, I'm a big, like I said many times up here, I'm a big definition guy. I want to know exactly what the definition is. Let's jump into it and see what it is. We're in the dictionary. The definition of worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. For a deity. Alright, so think of this in concept to Christian, our Christian walk. What is worship? Well, it is adoration and reference, expressing that towards God. That is what worship is. I love the two words that they use here, reference and adoration. So, of course, I looked up what those two words mean. Well, reference is having a deep respect for something, and adoration is having a deep love for something. So in worship, there's two aspects of it. There's two aspects. There's a respect factor that we have towards God, and there's a love factor that we have towards God. We respect God in worship, and we also love God in worship. And sometimes I don't know if those two things always go hand in hand. See, respect and love. Sometimes we think of respect as maybe a a, a fear type of thing towards us. And then we think sometimes if we respect someone or fear someone, then it's hard to love them. But in reality, if you truly respect someone then you truly love that person. Reference and adoration go hand in hand when it comes to our worship towards God. Because we are told in scriptures to fear God because of how mighty and powerful and awesome He is. There's a reverence there. But then at the same time, it tells us in scriptures that we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So having both of those in relation to worship is key. See, Psalm 95, 6 says, "O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I love this verse because when you're talking about bowing down, I always think about in the movies, whenever uh, uh, cartoons or wherever, whenever uh, uh, a character sees a king, what do they do? Automatically, they get down on their hands and knees and they start just bowing down. And they do that out of respect for the leader. And anytime a leader goes by, they may step down and take a knee. That is respect. But at the same time, if you look here, it says, come let us worship our Lord. And they're worshiping him because they are so in love with him. They're so madly in love. They are so madly in love. See, we don't kneel down to God or bow down to God because we know that that's all, that's what you're supposed to do. See, in, in, uh, Back in the, in the times where they had kings and, and queens and the rulers of those times, if they never belt, bowed down to the, to the ruler, then what would happen? They'd be asked. I mean, they'd be, they'd be gone. But see, the reference that we bow down into God is a reference of respect. We bow down because we reverend the mighty and powerful leader that we worship. And out of that, we have love. See, my thing is today that we need to understand is worship is so—it's so much more than just singing songs. See, worship. There are many different forms of worship. Now, this is the part of the service where I go straight to Facebook because this uh, week I posted a couple of different questions on Facebook, and I love the response of Facebook because um, you can text, you can do all these other things, but if you put something on Facebook, you're going to get a response all the time you're going to get a response. And so I did, and I got several different responses. Well, the first question I posed to people are is, what is worship? What is worship? Well, I heard all sorts of different things. I heard that worship is loving God, surrendering to God, um, your moments with God, obeying God's word, putting effort to honor and glorify God giving God honor and glory, recognizing him as your Lord, daily commune with God. Uh Different ways, praying, singing, etc. cetera, um, worship, devotion, feeling, reverence. I'm telling you what, guys, when I read these answers of what you, a lot of you in here were answering towards what is worship, and you hit the nail right on the head. You hit the nail so far on the head that I thought, well, you know what? We don't need to talk about this because these guys already know it, but it's, it, it was so encouraging to hear the responses that I got because you guys are so dead on with what worship is, with what worship is. And I'll get back into it here in a second on my other question, but what is worship? See, worship in God, worshiping God is done in a daily life of a Christian, If the worship is done correctly. See, worshiping God is not something that we only do when we come here on Sunday morning. But worshiping God, living a life of worship, means everywhere you go, you are worshiping God in whatever you are doing. Whatever you are doing, you are worshiping God. See, understand what worshiping is, is done. Understanding that worshiping God is done by making everything about Him and not about you. All right. So that's going to be our key phrase here today, because if we start understanding that worship is about God and not about you, then we can get to back to the heart of worship. See, we have been so skewed of what worship is when we because because a lot of times we make worship about ourselves. We want it to fit this particular criteria. We want it to look like this. We want to do it this time. But no, worship to God is worship to God. It's not worshiping to God under my conditions. When we start making worship about God, we come right into what Christ is talking about in Matthew 15. If you want to turn there with me, Matthew 15. This is a great example of what happens when we worship God and it's about us and not about Him. Matthew 15, we're going to read verses 8 through 9. Matthew 15, verses 8 through 9. See, this is the Pharisees and the scribes that came to Jesus in Jerusalem, and and, uh, there was a break, and uh, they didn't wash their hands before they did this. And they were asking Him about tradition and all these different things. And then He said... um, In verse 5 it says, but you say if anyone tells their father or mother what you would have gained from me, given what from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your traditions, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy for you when he said, so they're trying to worship through understanding the law and going through exactly what those words tell them. But listen to what Christ says about their worship. Listen to what Christ says about their worship. He says, these people that do this, these people that do this by honoring the law, by trying to live out the law as best as they can, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, so these people, what they're doing, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. See, the Pharisees, they, 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 in reality, were probably decent people because they followed the law. But, What Christ says here is they were doing this and trying to honor him, but they weren't because their hearts were far from him. And then he goes on in verse 9 and says, In vain, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See, whenever you're worshiping God and your worship for God and your motivation behind that is not to glorify him and make it all about him, then you are worshiping God. In vain, you're worshiping in vain. See, it's the same thing in First Corinthians thirteen. Whenever Christ, whenever God, uh, they tell us in, in in the scriptures that anything that you do that is out of love is like a noisy gong or clanging symbol. So, anytime you do something that is not behind the motivation of love or not behind the motivation of glorifying God, then it is just a bunch of noise towards God. You are worshiping in vain. So you may think that you're worshiping God, but you are doing the farthest thing from it when your heart is not in the right place. So Josh, how do we do that? How do we worship? If, If if it's not about doing all the right things, then how do we worship God? Well, see, there's two ways that we worship God. Two ways. We have inner worship and we have outer worship. Inner worship and outer worship. See, inner worship is the heart change. This is the renewed mind, the understanding of who this life is really about. So, unless you have experienced the life-changing gospel that has come into your life and has changed your heart and renewed your mind, then you cannot physically worship God the way that He is planned, He has designed you to worship Him. The inner worship is where it all begins. And what am I talking, what are you talking about there, Josh? I'm talking about the simple fact that you can come in here every single day, you can sing every single song that we read, you can read the Bible from cover to cover, but if your heart is not in the right place, then you are not worshiping God whenever you are doing those things. You're worshiping in vain because the inner worship, if you don't have the inner worship, the renewed mind, the changed heart, then you cannot truly do the outer worship. Well, what is the outer worship? It is the outward praise and adoration we give in response, in response to the inward change. So our outer worship, our our, our preaching of the gospel, our singing, our, our reading of the scriptures, that only comes... If you have the inner change, if you haven't been in change from the inside, you can fake it on the outside, but your heart is far from him. Outer worship comes in response to our inward change. So having inner worship without outer worship is not what God intended for our worship. First Chronicles, first Chronicles 16. I'm going to read verses 23 to 31. Notice, notice this, inner worship and outer worship, how, how they are one and the same. 23 to 31, it says, sing to the Lord all the earth, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glories among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. For the great, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory to do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is... Is established, it shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice, and let them say among the nation, the Lord reigns. See, look at that passage there, and listen to all the different things that are saying there. You can tell that the the the, the inner, you can see the inner worship that is in there. And the inner worship is, is, is gradually pulling out all of these verbs that we're seeing here. Proclaim, declare, sing, rejoice, ascribe, tremble. See, when we have deep feeling of adoration and reverence for something deep down inside of us, there's nothing you can do from keeping, from letting that come out and spill out of your mouths. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, when you fill yourself so much with adoration and reverence towards something, that is what's going to come out of your mouth. Example. It's no secret here, and I bring this up all the time, but it's no secret here, but it was very relevant this week. It's no secret here that I'm a very avid fan of a certain athlete. Okay, And because I'm an avid fan of this certain athlete... In my in here, I I have great respect for this guy. I, I I think he's one of the greatest players to ever play the game. I I love watching him play. Um, you can ask my wife if a game is on that he's playing in. I'm sitting down, I'm watching the TV. And what happens is a lot of times when I have this in me, I can't help but speak it out. See, I have so much love, that's a weird word to use, okay. But I have this obsession, that's probably a better word, I have this obsession with LeBron. I do. And and I love watching him play, and, I, and the problem is, though, whenever I hear somebody talking bad about him, or bashing him, which is mostly everybody in this congregation, I can't help but say something. I can't help but say something. Or I can't help but tweet something about LeBron. And then I get my responses that are not very nice, but whatever. But see, I have this, this, this adoration, this obsession with this, this basketball player. So it's just naturally going to come out of me that I, that I defend him, that I say things about him, that I try to find a way to bring him into every sermon that I think I ever preach. Okay. It's just, it just happens. And the thing is, it's the same thing when we fill our hearts with the knowledge and the praise and the glory and the love that comes from our Lord, if we are filling our hearts with that all the time, people, I'm here to tell you right now, you won't be able to keep your mouth shut. You won't have those moments where you come face to face with somebody and you don't bring up the love and the reverence and the adoration that you have for our Lord and Savior. Because it fills up so much that it just bubbles out. So fill your hearts with that inner worship. And then having outer worship without inner worship is not what God intended for our worship at all either. See, God uses the example of the Pharisees when talking about this type of worship. Matthew 15, 8-9, it talks about people honoring God with their lips, but their hearts being far from them. And then in Matthew 6, 6, verse 5, it talks about hypocrites praying, praying in front of other people, seeking the approval of men. In their, but their hearts aren't really in their prayers. See, we, we have to have this type of outer worship that lets people know, hey, I have the love of the Father. See, an inner worship is great. That's where it all begins. But if we keep it in here, if we keep it inside, then nobody else gets to experience that love. Nobody else gets to experience that worship that you have inside of you. So one thing I want to talk about today is I want to look at a particular type of worship that many of us are familiar with, and it specifically mentions in Colossians 3.16 where it says the singing of songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And I want you to think about this, and I want you to think about how it applies to all types of worship. That's the cool thing about this. It applies to all types of worship, and I'll try to bring out that here in a second, but I have some questions that are going to be tough for many of us in here because they were tough for me. So if you don't listen to anything else, I want you to listen right now because you're going to get your toes stepped on because many of us have thought these thoughts, and I'm telling you right now that these thoughts are wrong. And these thoughts are making worship about us and not about God. So let's think about this. How much do we focus on how well we try to sound when we're singing? How much do we focus on what songs are being sung? I don't like this song. I don't want to sing this. How much? How many times do we make it about what we do with our hands and our eyes or our body? If I raise my hands, then people will think I'm worshiping. But remember, I don't like this song. How much do we make it about whether we stand up for worship or we sit down for worship? How many times do we make it about what will people think about me? If I raise my hands or close my eyes. See, I think every one of us in here have thought this particular, one of these, eight, one or all of these certain questions at some point based on our worship here. And what happens is, is when we start making it about what songs we sing, we make it about Whether we stand or sit, we make it about whether we raise our hands or we dance around or whatever we do. When we make it about that, we're making it about ourselves and we're not making it about God. And then guess what ends up happening? We sit there, we sit there, and we're like, I don't like this song, but I'm going to sing it. And our hearts are far from Him. See, we worship in vain. In reality, what if we all just came in here and we didn't care what anybody else in here thought about the songs, whether we sit or stand, whether we do any of that stuff, but we come in here to worship and we say, you know what, God, I'm coming in here today and I just want you, this is all about you. And I don't care what people around me think, I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to close my eyes because I am just, I want to honor and glorify you with whatever. Whatever. Or do we stand there and look at somebody that's not raising their hands and think, man, they're not worshiping. Stop making it about you. It's not about you. It's not about what you want. Because if you're thinking these things right here, what you want is not what you're supposed to be wanting. You're supposed to be wanting to glorify God in everything that you do. When you read the scriptures... When you read the scriptures, do you dive into the scriptures looking for a verse that may comfort you? Or do you look in the scriptures to read about something that is going to glorify God? We can read the Bible in wrong ways. We can sit in here and think, God, give me something that makes me feel good. Or we can sit in here and think, God, give me something that is going to make me love you even more. Stop making worship about you. All of these questions I've asked, they have a central theme and that theme is me. Luke 4, Luke 4 verse 8. Luke 4 verse 8 says this. Luke 4 verse 8. It says, And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. You shall worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. We're not here to serve ourselves. We're here to serve God. We're here to worship God. When our heart is in it for God, then the outside circumstances don't matter. Is it wrong to have preferences on songs? Is it wrong to have a preference on how to raise your hand or close your eyes or sit or stand? Is it wrong to have preferences? Absolutely not. But when you make it about what you want and not about God, then we start to find ourselves and not truly worshiping. So the last part is why do we worship? Josh, okay, you told us how. Now why do we do it? Why do we do it? Well, here's the thing. If we don't understand why we do it, then we can't ever accomplish how we do it. If we don't understand why, we can't accomplish how. The last part of verse 16 says, With thankfulness in our hearts towards God. With thankfulness in our hearts towards God. couple more questions for you. When you dive into your Bible during the day, do you do it with a heart of thankfulness? When you bow your head in prayer to God, do you do it with a heart of thankfulness? When you're belting out the words in your car from K-Love... Are you doing it in a heart of thankfulness? When you're leaving, when you're living every day here on earth, are you doing it with a heart of thankfulness? See, thankfulness is the driving force behind the reason why we worship. We worship because we are thankful. Because we are thankful is why we worship. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's the will of the Father that you be thankful. And if it's the will of the Father for us to be thankful, then it is the will of the Father for us to worship Him. Thankfulness in our hearts. See, we become very thankful people when we truly understand the magnitude of how much God has actually done in our lives and the degree of difficulty that it was to send his one and only son down here on earth to die on a cross for us so that we may pay the penalty of our sins. And no longer do we have to face the penalty of death. I did the gravesite service for Delbert Stahl's funeral the other day. And as I was looking in um, the scriptures of what I wanted to talk about in death, and we talk about death, and it, and it talks about in Corinthians it says oh death where is your sting see I don't think we ever kind of fully grasp that because we think of death when it says that death oh, where is your sting and then it talks about death um, the wages of sin is death well I think when we think of that death we start to think of it in a human term and we start to think of oh our life ending here on earth and we think about death as being the worst possible thing that could happen to us here on earth right Am I right? Earthly death is, we fear it. It's it's the worst things that can happen to us on earth is when we die. Think of it in the degree of what they mean by, in the Bible. The wages of sin is death. Death, where is your sting? What death are they talking about there? That specific death is not talking about the death that we are going to suffer here on earth. But that death goes far greater than what we can ever imagine because that death is eternity in hell. So whenever we sin, the wages of that sin is hell. That's eternal death. Not earthly death, it's eternal death. So that makes us even more thankful that God, because you did what you did on that cross, we no longer have to experience death. If that doesn't just make you overjoyed with thankfulness, just an outpouring of thankfulness that he does not make us go through that, I don't know if you've been changed by the gospel yet because that should just bring joy and thankfulness to your hearts more than anything. And we also worship because ultimately that's what we were designed to do. That's exactly what we were designed to do. John 4, 21 to 4 says this. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, And in truth. See, in this passage, God is explaining to the Sumerian woman that a time is coming where believers will not, no longer have to go to a temple or a certain place of worship in order to be in the presence of God, in order to worship God. See, we live in a time, in an era where the church is sitting right here. This building is not the church. We do not have to come to this building every Sunday morning in order to worship God. But we are designed to worship because of the Holy Spirit that is living inside of us. The presence of God is living inside of us. So every, just think of yourself as a living temple. Because everywhere you go, you are in the presence of God. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. So if you are living with the presence of God inside of you, then now you can worship at any time, any place, anywhere. Does that not sound like we were designed to worship? Why would he give us access to worship whenever we wanted to if we weren't designed to do it? See, the Holy Spirit within us gives us the ability and ultimately steers us towards worship because since it's because since it is living within us, it becomes who we are worshipers. I want to close with this John Piper quote on worship. And this is what John Piper says about worship. He says, The inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, being satisfied with God above all earthly things. And then that deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God overflows in demonstrable acts of praise from the lips and demonstrable acts of love in serving others for the sake of Christ. So the inner worship within us spurns forth the outer worship in what we do. We have many opportunities to worship during the day through our actions, our words, our prayers, our reading, our singing, our relationships, etc. But when we are tuned in and saturated in the thankfulness of his love, grace, and sovereignty, then worship becomes second nature to us. When you channel what God has for you through the Holy Spirit, worship becomes who you are. Worship becomes second nature to you. And when we make worship about ourselves and we start to lose sight of what we are truly designed to do. And we start to worship God in vain. When we worship God in vain, we become the people of Matthew 7. We become the people of Matthew 7. When God looks upon us and he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because we are worshiping in vain and our heart is not in it. Let's close with this last verse, 1 Corinthians 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Make worship a part of everything that you do, everything that you say. Be a worshiper every day in your life. And let's get back to the heart of worship. The reason I switched this today is because now we're going to have a time to worship. We're going to have a time to sing praises to God. We're going to have a time to, you know, I'm going to give us, I'm going to give us a, a little bit before the worship team comes up or while the worship team's coming up. I'm going to give us a little quiet time to kind of examine our hearts, to kind of step back and try to figure out where we are in our worship with God. Are we making it about ourselves? Are we not worshiping as much as we probably should? Are we not living a life of worship that comes out of thankfulness because of what he did on the cross for us? And I want us now to start getting into an attitude of worship. And what do you mean by attitude of worship, Josh? I mean, let's forget about who's sitting to our left. Let's forget about who's sitting to our right. And let's truly come to church today to focus on God. So Misty, if you want to play something in the background, we're just going to take a moment. I'm going to give you some time just to examine yourself. Praising you for what you've done. Lord, I pray that today that we can understand the magnitude of what your son did on the cross for us, that he paid the penalty of our sin. Lord, I pray that here in a second, as we as we go into praise and worship time, Lord, that we come with this heart. Lord, I pray that we we forget the distractions of what's going on around us. We forget about our phones. We forget about what we're doing for lunch. We forget about what happened last night. We forget about what's coming this week. But Lord, we focus solely on you today. And we give our hearts to you. Lord, let that be our prayer, not just for today, but for our entire lives. That we get back to the heart of worship. It's all about you.